Hello, I'm Jonathan Carl with ABC News. We've got a special bonus edition here of Powerhouse Politics. I got to sit down, and it's a good thing we were sitting down, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at about seven foot two inches. Fascinating guy, sports hero, absolute legend, but also a speaker at the Democratic Convention and a political columnist. He's got a column at Time Magazine. Had some fascinating things to say on the issue of race and gun violence. When did you, I, I, you know, you've got a column you do which uh, touches on all kinds of political issues. Uh, you're here now as a as a speaker at the national convention on, on the night of the of the nomination, uh, acceptance speech. What? When did you start to become political? Is this, is this a long time coming? Yeah, it's a long time. I, I've always paid attention to what was going on. Um, it really started when I was in grade school, and I was watching the events that comprised the civil rights movement. We'd watch uh, on TV each night, and sometimes it was horrific, and sometimes it was inspiring. But, um, you know, the, the civil rights movement was something that uh, really gripped all of my attention, and it lasted until I got out of college in 1969, uh, just one year after the final uh, Voting Rights Act. I, I want to ask you, I uh, think a lot of people don't realize that your father was a police officer. Yes. And your grandfather was a police officer. Yes, they both were. So what, what if... What's been your reaction seeing the, 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 the horrific series of events we have seen, both shootings uh, by police and now the targeting of police, the shooting, you know, Dallas, Baton Rouge? It's really, it's a, it's a frightening thing to see the breakdown uh, start to, to occur like that because without the police, we don't have a civil society. We have chaos. And uh, we need police, absolutely. Uh, they are really heroes. Uh, we ask too much of them, and um, they try to do it uh, with a smile, and that's uh, that's pretty incredible. But uh, we, we have to get to a point where we can talk to the police, and the police can talk to the people that they have to protect and serve. And I think that's gone by the wayside a lot in our community, uh, rather in our country, because uh, police are making assumptions. Uh, people who are being policed make assumptions. And uh, they're just talking past each other. There is no conversation. Uh, they're not even talking past each other. There's no conversation. And we need to get that conversation going again. And you see uh, a refrain here, Black Lives Matter. And in the Republican convention, you heard a lot of Blue Lives Matter. What, what, what do you, I mean, like you said, it's like two entirely different conversations. It's, it's in two entirely different conversations. And the, the fact that institutionalized racism has corrupted our criminal justice system has made it more difficult for the for the conversation to take place because uh, people make assumptions about people of color and people of color make assumptions about the law enforcement apparatus and neither one of them are correct so we got to get around to talking to each other get these two different uh, points of view to communicate so that we can ha have a peaceful society society that deals with uh, the issues that need to be dealt with. And your dad was a transit cop in New he York was City. A transit cop in New York City. And, um, they consolidated him before he, just before he retired, uh, two years before he retired. What, what would he have made of, of seeing all this? What would, what, how would he be like? My dad would have been upset. Uh, my dad would have been upset that uh, so many uh, black people are being killed unnecessarily. I think uh, the thing that really, it did, the one that disturbed me the most was the killing of the kid in uh, Cleveland, killing yeah. of Tamir Rice. 
Yeah. It was uh, totally unnecessary. And with, 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 a, with a toy gun. He had a toy gun. He's playing on Christmas Day. My goodness. Yeah. And uh, the officer didn't even uh, wait two seconds before he shot him. Uh, you, you can't say, uh, put the gun down, put your hands up, you're under arrest in, in two seconds. Um, you know, what, what kind of training did this individual have? And then you've seen vilification of the police in, in some of the... Uh the, the protests. Right, and, uh, and uh, that's wrong too because uh, police are just out there doing their, their best job, but, but sometimes they, they get impatient and um, they think that uh, you know, violence can uh, shorten the amount of time that they have to work hard and uh, other people, you know, people on the other side think that uh, all of the, the, the cops are biased and uh, you know, we have to get past that, that issue. So you uh, have been quite tough on Donald Trump, I think it's fair to say. Did you watch his speech in Cleveland? Yeah, I watched some of it. What, what did you think? I think he's uh, pandering to fear. Um, I mean, the, the answer to our problems is not uh, chauvinism and fear-mongering. We have to come up with solutions. He, he has no solutions. He just says that uh, he's the solution. Uh, he's going to solve all of our problems uh, through his brilliant uh, understanding of all the issues. And no, nobody's that, that smart. Nobody. <laughs> But you've gone even further. I mean, I saw one of your columns. You, you, you seem to compare him to ISIS, or at least the, his, his method of argument. His method of argument That's is uh, giving ISIS more credence, because by saying that uh, America hates Muslims, ISIS is making American Muslims feel that uh, they are not appreciated or respected. And then we hear, hear the same talk coming from... Uh, a presidential candidate that uh, a certain segment of our society should be discriminated against on the basis of their religion. This, is, this isn't what America is about. The majority of American Muslims are, are peace-loving and uh, do not subscribe to terrorism and are actually uh, involved in helping America combat terrorism. I mean, th this is what should be the case, and by and large, it is the case. So what is Trump tapped into, though? I mean, you, you're not the first to make this argument against him. Obviously, we've heard it a lot throughout this convention. Right. And yet, you know, he's, he's, he's attracted a, a huge following. He won a big victory in the Republican primaries. He's, you know, attracted huge crowds. Uh, uh, he's, he's clearly tapped into something and energized a, six, a segment of this country. What... What is that? Why do you think that is? I mean, you're not, you're not suggesting that all his followers are, you know, fear mongers or, or, or filled with hate. I mean, what, what I think uh, just people are uneasy. It's tough times, and it's a lot easier to build a, a movement based on negatives than it is on positives. Um, you, you talk about solutions, people are, get bored with that. But you talk about who you can blame, people can get behind that and... Uh, support somebody, uh, a certain group that you think is the, 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 the source of the problem. And uh, the, source of, the source of the problem is lack of jobs and the fact that our, our school system is, is not serving everybody and people aren't qualified to go out and find jobs. I hope we can uh, just come together and support Hillary Clinton. I think that she will do a, a great job. She has the experience and the know-how to, to deal with what it takes to operate in, in Washington successfully. She's been there. She's seen how it works. She knows how it works. Uh, I think we should give her a chance. And you know her well. I mean, she, she made you an ambassador, as I recall. Oh, yeah. I, I, I met the Clintons. Uh, they, there was a weekend of jazz back in the, in the 90s. Uh, 
that I was able to attend and uh, I met the Clintons. They were, uh, were jazz fans. And um, they had uh, you know, some events at the Kennedy Center and at the White House. And I got to meet the Clintons, and they're nice people, and we've maintained a friendship. Have you gotten to know Obama at all? A little bit. I got to meet uh, Mr. Obama before um, he got the presidential nomination in, in 08, uh, in 06, while he was senator. I got a chance to meet him. I thought he was very bright and uh, uh, progressive kind of thinker, and uh, I'm glad he got the job. Uh, it's, it's a shame that uh, he didn't get any cooperation from the Republicans in Congress because he uh, could have gotten a whole lot more done if they had just uh, treated him like they would have treated uh, any other person uh, that uh, beat them in a, in a federal election. Yeah, we've gotten to a pretty divided point in our politics. Uh, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and these, these are people that are supposed to be uh, doing their job for all, all Americans, uh, but they can't cooperate with the president because uh, they don't think he, they like uh, the way he looks. And that, that's not the way to do it. Okay, we're, we're almost out of time. I, I, I got to ask you a, a basketball question, though. You know, watching this great rivalry, we've seen Steph Curry and LeBron James. Watching those two guys, are we watching potentially either one of them or both of them? And I know it's early to say this. To, to, could either make the, that pantheon of great, the greatest of all time up there with Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What's, what's your what's your take on those guys? Well, I think they're they're two of the best athletes that are playing in the NBA at this present time. And depending on how successful they are will depending on how well we remember them. But uh, even with that, uh, with that thought, they're still outstanding. And um, they provided a, a, a wonderful uh, playoff series. Playoffs were de decided by uh, three points on the last shot of the, the, the playoffs in Game 7. And that, that's pretty Doesn't amazing. get any better than that, does it? And it was the same thing for the NC2A tournament yeah. know, with, uh, uh. with Villanova winning on a three-pointer. With the, with the time running out, uh, can't can't do any better than that. Uh, you know the uh, people that are making the uh, the pairings and the and setting up the uh, what do they call it the the brackets. The brackets, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Do you do brackets, by the way? You no, no, I can't, I can't, <laughs> can't do that because I, I don't see all the college teams, so I, I can't appraise them. But I, I think that uh, basketball fans had to have enjoyed this year. It was uh, very competitive and. Uh, They'll probably see more of it uh, this year to come. And to see Cleveland do what they did to come back the way they did. And then yeah, so, that and was so interesting. And, uh, geez, Cleveland's on a roll, man. Uh, how about those Indians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, <laughs> it's yeah. been a long, long time coming. Yeah, it has. Um, all right, well, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you have a book. I, I, it's I, called I Writings just... on the Wall, and um, it's all about the, the – uh, political writings and my observations about what's happening in America. Subtitle, Searching for a New Equality Beyond Black and White. Well, it's a real honor to see you. It's great talking with you. Thank you, sir. All the best. All right, that'll do it for this week's edition of Powerhouse Politics. Please take a moment and rate our show on iTunes. Write a review. Tell us what you think. Remember, you can see the listen to the other podcasts from ABC News, abcnewspodcast.com. I'm Jonathan Carl. 